I pray that you have your Bible with you this morning as we continue our journey through the book of Acts. You can see the title of the sermon this morning, Reaching Others for Who? For, for Christ, Reaching Others for Jesus. And so, Acts chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 26 through 40 this morning. Acts chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 26 this morning through 40. So keep your Bible handy. Hope that you have your sermon outlined as well. It's in your bulletin. Hope you got a pencil or a pen, a crayon, whatever you need this morning as we work through uh, this outline together. I'm going to share a story with you, and we're going to go back a a ways to 1912. Back in 1912, 39-year-old reverend by the name of John Harper He was a Scottish preacher. He was making a transatlantic trip to preach at the Moody Church in Chicago. And as fate would have it, the vessel that he chose was the Titanic. Now, many of us know the story about the Titanic, but how many of us know the story of John Harper? See, Harper, like many others, he ended up in the water, and as people desperately tried to survive in those chilly waters, Harper began to swim to them. And the minister began to ask people in that frigid water if they knew Jesus. And eventually, Harper approached a passenger clinging to a jagged piece of wood, and he pleaded for the man to trust in Christ. And the minister was completely exhausted. At this point. And as he succumbed to the conditions and he went under the water to his death, Harper said these words Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be what? Saved. A few years later, at a meeting of the survivors of the Titanic, the final man who encountered John Harper told the group that he had been saved twice that night. First, he accepted Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior because of Harper's actions. And, of course, he had been rescued from the deep Atlantic seas. See, John Harper's goals, his, his focus was not on himself. Even in his dying moments, all he could think about was the people around him and their spiritual condition. So, church, let me ask you, are we really any different today? Isn't John Harper's goals of spreading Jesus, isn't it supposed to be the goals that we have today? in our churches. And the man that we're going to read about this morning, he reminds me a lot of Harper. Now, how many of you remember the evangelist known as Philip? Now, Philip was a a man that was willing to believe even when the waters of persecution and imprisonment and death surrounded the new Christian church that had been birthed at Pentecost. Because let's be honest, any time that God's movements start to arise, the devil always seems to show what? He always seems to show up. Because what does he want to do? He wants to do everything good that God has done. What does he want to do? He wants to shut the mouth of those that teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's his hope. That's his advocacy. He wants to shut down the truth. He wants to shut down the gospel. And so where we're at right now in the book of Acts, the church has moved. They're no longer in a central location because they've started to be persecuted. But that's okay because even in persecution, guess who shows up? Jesus does. 
Even in times of tribulation, in times of fear, in times of anxiety, in times of uncertainty like, we, or uncertainty like we're living right now, guess who still shows up? Jesus does. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, because maybe some of you in here are like Philip, and you are spreading the gospel. You are telling people about Jesus, but maybe some of you need to be reminded how it is that we're supposed to go about this mission. So this morning, I want to encourage you by giving you four steps that Philip, a man that was full of faith, that he used to reach an Ethiopian eunuch for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's read Acts 8, 26 through 40. Listen to the word of God. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he got up and he went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court of official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And then the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. And notice what Philip does. Philip ran up, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. And now the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. And humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate to his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me of whom the prophets say this is, or himself or someone else. And then, verse 35, Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this Scripture, he preached Jesus. Notice this. This is so important. What did he preach? He preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered Philip, and he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but he went on his way what? Rejoicing. But he went on his way rejoicing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to be able to preach and teach your gospel of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for the music we've heard this morning. Thank you for Brother Austin coming and sharing with us this morning and the message for the children. And God, we pray you use that to plant seeds. Father, we thank you for Brother Billy this morning as he has came and blessed us this morning with his talents and his abilities as he has opened our hearts, God, this morning to receive your word and to receive change and direction and guidance and joy and movement. And so, God, I pray that right now, Lord, that you're already working this morning, Father, that you're already preparing hearts, that you're already preparing decisions that need to be made for us to open up our lives to others, to share what it is that we have in our lives, and that's Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God, and we thank you so much for that, God. And so, Lord, this morning, I know it's easy to fall into the waters 
of laziness. Lord, it's easy to, to fall into the thought that it's the pastor's job or Austin's job or Billy's job to tell others about Jesus. But Father, as the common saying has been over the last several months and years, really, we're all in this together. In the Christian church today, we need to know this now more than ever. Father, impress upon our hearts this morning that we are to be the light of this world. Not just the preachers, not just the, the deacons and the children's ministers, youth ministers, song leaders, worship ministers. It's not just us. Father, it's all of us. Help us to see a great movement, Lord, in this county, in this state, in this country, and in this world for you. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Now, church, there's, there's not a lot that's known about Philip, but we do know that he was a man of faith. We do know that the Bible tells us he was filled with the Holy Spirit. We know as the church was scattered that he was a Jew, that he went and preached in Samaria. And if you know anything about the Bible, then you know there was plenty of hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans. But as he was in the Samaritan area, the Bible tells us just before this, he performed miraculous signs. He performed healings. He pulled out demons from those that were possessed. And when many people, they read this scripture or they preach this scripture, it sometimes is preached as the mission of one of how far God is willing to push his followers to go in search of one lost sheep. And I will agree with that assessment 100%. But, but, for me, this scripture reveals that the true heart of an individual whose intentions were reaching people for Christ, no matter the situation, and sometimes the situation, it may involve one. Sometimes the situation, it may involve five. Maybe it's ten. Maybe it's a hundred. But one thing never changes, and that's the mission. That's the mission. You do remember the mission, right? Amen? Over in Acts 1, verse 8, the Bible told us, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, to, and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. Now listen, he didn't just give that to those people that day. That mission was given to all of us. Amen? That mission was given to all of us to reach our families, to reach our neighbors, to reach the people that we work with, to reach the people that we go to school with, reach the people that we have gym with or exercise with or diet with or whatever it is that we find ourselves in our daily lives. This is our mission to reach people for Jesus Christ. Our lives are very, very small. The time that God gives us on this earth is very minute. Some people are going to be known as hard workers. Some people are going to be known as businessmen and businesswomen. Some people will be known as lawyers and physicians and farmers and bankers. And the list goes on and on and on. But will you be known as a teacher of the gospel? Will you be known that you made an eternal difference in someone's life that God has put you in front of? 
See, that's what our goal should be. Amen? The other things are not the primary. They are the secondary. The primary is that we are teaching and that we are preaching and that we are making a difference in the lives. You know, I've been begging for people to help Austin with children, help Austin with youth. Listen to me. If we don't teach our children Jesus Christ, the schools are not going to. Now, it doesn't matter if Hardin County, LaRue County, Hart County is listening. I don't want the schools teaching my children Jesus. I want me to teach my children Jesus. I want the church to help teach my children Jesus. School, teach them math. Teach them history. Teach them how to hit a baseball, football. Let them get in the band, learn an instrument. Let them be in choir, whatever you want to do. But if we are not teaching our children and our youth at church about Jesus, we're living in a world that is not going to. It's our job. And people will say, well, I've taught kids, I've taught youth, I've done this, I've done that. They are the most impressionable generation on the earth. Most adults have made their mind up about Jesus. Once you get about 35 or 40, you become hard-hearted, you become stubborn, and many people will never change their ways. But for these, and for these, their hearts are still open mostly to the gospel. You know what they're waiting on? They're waiting for somebody to tell them. They're waiting for someone to love them. They're waiting for someone to be an example they're waiting for someone to say, it's okay that you messed up. God still loves you. God still wants you. And God still has a plan for your life. Our people, this world, this country, this state, they need to hear the gospel. Because people are yearning for the gospel. We can talk politics until the time the sun comes up, until the time the sun goes down. But why can't we not talk about Jesus? Why can't we talk about the one that can change their life and their eternity, their homes and their families, and the things that they are involved in, in this life? For me, this scripture is much, much more than just reaching one, although it did reach one. But for me, this is about the mission. And if we want this church to be blessed, if we want to have a future, and here's the thing that I have been in churches for the last 15 years. Oh, we used to be this back in 1990. We used to be this back in 2000. We used to be this back in 1975. See, I believe Cecilia's days, there are better days yet to come. I believe that. But do you? Do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to see people get saved and give their lives to Jesus? Do you want to see babies and children and youth in our church and part of the body of Jesus Christ? Are we willing to be a part of this process? See, Philip knew this is where your outline starts this morning. You ready? Number one, reaching others for Christ requires being in touch to God's direction. You've got to be in touch with His direction. In verse 26, the Bible tells us, An angel of the Lord said, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now listen, there are many mysteries. 
surrounding angels. I think we all know this. But according to Hebrews 1.14, angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Well, who's going to inherit salvation? The children of God, those that are saved and part of His kingdom. That's you and that's me. If we have been saved by Jesus Christ, that's all of us who are in Christendom. And in some way or in some fashion are being touched by the ministry of angels, although we usually probably don't even recognize their presence. But the point is this. God guided Philip in a way that he heard the instructions of the angel as the angel instructed Philip to rise up and go south. Now notice this. You ready? The angel didn't tell Philip what was going to happen, did he? <laughs> You miss this if you don't watch this. The angel did not explain himself, did not give a booklet of instruction, and Philip trusted in God's will. He trusted in God's direction, and because of that, he was willing to walk by faith and not by what? And not by sight. Many of us today, we won't walk in faith if we can't what? If we cannot see it, and if we cannot touch it, then it must not be able to be done. i got news for you. Many churches that have thrived and survived and have preached the gospel, they walked by faith. And they still walk by faith. And as Philip rose up and he went south to meet this, this eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasure, the Bible says, of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, this, this, this man, he had gone to worship, the Bible says. So there's a few things that we need to point out. One, he was in charge of all the money. More than likely, he could buy whatever he had a liking to. He had it. His pockets were probably full. Two, he was a religious man. Well, where do we get that? But the Bible says, and we know, he has traveled over a thousand miles to Jerusalem. Why? Because more than likely, he had been under the influence of Judaism. And then number three, he was a seeker of the truth. Now, I say this because there were many religions in which he could have tried from the region in which he lived. And as Philip came up upon this high-ranking government official, he noticed that this man was reading from the book or the scroll of who? Of Isaiah. And he told him, go to that chariot and stay near it. You know, knowing God's... Direction can sometimes be a difficult task. Amen? We live in a hurried lifestyle. We really do. We rush from one place to another, from one situation to another, and we never seem to slow what? We never seem to slow down. Oftentimes I hear people saying they can't hear God or they don't know God's will or they just don't understand God's will or direction for their lives. And I'm reminded of James 4.8. The Bible says this, draw near to God and God will draw near to who? To you. You've got a part to play in this. Philip, the Bible tells us, was a man of prayer a man of God's Word, a follower of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us he was a man that was full of faith. Now, I think many people today, we fall into this trap as long as we give Jesus the crumbs, right? Of life that we'll still be able to hear His voice and His will. And that's where many people fall. 
But Philip did not give Jesus the crumbs. He gave Jesus the whole cookie. He gave him everything that he had. Jesus was not third. Jesus was not fourth. Jesus was not fifth in his life. But Jesus was number one in Philip's life. And he did not need a bumper sticker to remind people. He did not need an Instagram title, a Twitter handle, or a Snapchat video to prove it. Philip lived it. And because Philip was so in touch with God's Word and Spirit, it leads us to point number two this morning. Ready? Reaching others for Christ requires us to do what? Take action. Outside of your what? Of your comfort zone. It requires us to take action out of our comfort zone. This man that Philip had, had been led to, he was a foreigner. He was a foreigner. Check this out. A high-ranking official. This was no Jew. This was no Samaritan, no farmer, no fisherman. From the outside looking in, Philip and this man belonged to different levels of society. But understand this. God wants to reach everyone. Amen? He wants to reach us all, no matter their nationality, no matter their importance in the human eye, no matter their abundance of wealth or lack of, no matter if they're a fisherman or a high-ranking government official. And it would have been easy for Philip to look at the Spirit or have just told the Spirit, hey, I'm not comfortable with this at all. I'm not comfortable with this at all. Listen, he's not a Jew. His skin color is different than mine. He's got money. He's probably got power. He doesn't dress like me. He doesn't look like me. He may not even act like I act. And isn't this where the rubber meets the road? Come on. Isn't this where the rubber meets the road? Many people continue to fall into this trap today. They continue to fall into this trap today. 1 Timothy 2, 4, the Bible says God wants all men to be what? To be saved. This means that God wants all people, groups all over the world to have a knowledge of who He is and what He's done for this world through His Son, Jesus Christ. All people to be saved. 1 Samuel 16, 7, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? He looks at the heart. It would have been easy for Philip to look at this outside appearance of this man and maybe just walked away, but God is not after our color of our skin. God is after our what? He's after this. God is after your heart, church. You know, I've always heard people say, they make this statement, everyone is a foreigner to someone all over the world. <laughs> Amen? All over the world. When we take action to reach people. It's not based off the color of their skin. It's not based off their wallet. It's not based off their wardrobe. It's not based off what social class that our people try to put people into. It's not based off that. We're not after the color of their skin. We're after their heart for Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what we're after. And I don't care if you're white, if you're black, if you're brown, or you're yellow, or what color that you are. Because if you are a brother of mine in Jesus Christ, or a sister of mine in Jesus Christ, what defines who we are? What defines that? And if God says, I ain't looking at you outside. 
I'm looking at you outside. You know, God made us all different colors beautifully, didn't he? Amen. That's what God has done. And church, listen to me this morning. I'm going to throw this tidbit in and we're going to move on because I'm not going to chase this rabbit. Racism is something that's taught. It's taught. You don't be, you're not born a racist. You're taught how to be a racist. And hear me and hear me well. Jesus Christ wants all men to be saved. All men to be saved. You think Jesus was Caucasian? Jesus was a Jew. A dark-colored individual that lived and died and rose for you no matter the color of your skin or no matter who you are or where you've been. That's the truth. That is the biblical truth. And then number three, reaching others for Christ requires us to be prepared to explain the gospel. We've got to be prepared to explain the gospel. All of you all that were public, public jobs, you are trained. You are taught. You've went to school. You've had training. Why? So you can do your job and do it what? And do it well. Well, guess what? We Christians are no different. Amen? And I want you to notice in verse 30 that Philip took action. He ran up to the chariot, and the man was reading from Isaiah. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And the man says, well, how can I? Unless somebody what? How can I unless somebody died, and after three days rose again, and then shortly after that he ascended into heaven, and that anyone that believeth in him shall not die but have everlasting what? He didn't know the good news. So Philip more than likely took the man through all 12 verses of Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, explaining the suffering and the resurrection of the Messiah and the good news of Jesus. Now, there's no telling how long they talked that day. Now, you ever notice that? You ever notice that when you're talking to someone about Jesus, that sometimes time seems to stand still? Because you're sharing with them the most important words they could ever hear in their life. Ever hear in their life. And maybe Philip explained the eunuch to him the miracles and the healings and the love and the forgiveness and the grace and the life that Jesus calls his disciples into. Because in the eyes of Judaism, a church, many people don't recall this, but in the eyes of Judaism, the eunuch could never become a full member of the congregation of Israel because of his physical condition, if you know what a eunuch is. And we'll chase that rabbit another time. But with Jesus, he could become a full member and to the family of God, no matter his physical condition. Amen? Amen? You know, I have always said, you can get into heaven with a less than perfect body. Amen? And you can sure get into hell with a perfect one. Because God does not look at the what? At the outside. God is looking at the inside. And not only did this eunuch hear the truth of the good news, but he accepted the truth, which leads us to point four. In our outline this morning, reaching others for Christ requires us to share in the joy of one's salvation. Now, this is, to me, the most fun part of being a pastor. 
to me, this is the most fun part of, of sharing the good news is, is seeing people laugh and cry and, and giving their hearts to Jesus Christ. This is what I live to see and live to be a part of. You know, I have had the opportunity to lead people to Jesus in McDonald's. I've done it. I've had the opportunity to lead children after VBS in my office. I've had the opportunity to lead adults in different places throughout Hardin County and LaRue County. And it don't matter where you're being led to Jesus. All that matters is you being led to Jesus. That's what matters. Now see, this eunuch, he knew that baptism was the expected external symbol of a Gentile's repentance and conversion. And it seems that Philip explained to this man his need not only for belief in Jesus, but also his need for what? To be baptized. In verse 37, the Bible says, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered, Oh, brother, I believe that Jesus is the Son of, of God. And at that moment, the eunuch gave orders. He said, Stop the chariot. And he and Philip went down into the water. And the Bible says that Philip baptized that man that day. And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord took Philip away. But the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. See, Philip was the kind of follower of Jesus. He's willing to sacrifice his own life so others could know Jesus. And I'm not sure if the, if the eunuch knew what to expect on that day that he ventured into Jerusalem to worship, but he lost something that day, but he also gained something that day. See, 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Amen? The old has gone and the new has come. The eunuch lost his old self that day and he gained a new identity in Jesus Christ. You know, many people, and this is... <laughs> many people keep their past right in front of them. And Satan loves to tell people you can never be a worker for Jesus because of who you've been. But yet the Apostle Paul told Timothy, I was the worst of sinners. And the man went on to author half of the New Testament. Isn't that amazing? People will tell, Satan loves to tell you, listen, you can never be good enough, you can never do this, you can never work, you can never be in the church at a leadership position, you can never teach, you can never preach, you can never do any of these things because of who you have been, and doesn't Satan like to keep us there? But then Jesus comes in, the Bible says you've been forgiven. Jesus comes in and says, you've been a new creation. Jesus comes in and says, I'm giving you a brand new start, a brand new name, a brand new future. You know, and people may not believe your transformation, but guess what? It's not people who's sending you to heaven or hell, amen? They didn't believe Paul when he got saved either, and we're going to get to that in the coming weeks. And Paul said, that's okay. I know who I used to be, but thank God I know who I am now. I know who I am now. Because Philip, the man of great faith, was obedient. Not only did he get to lead someone to new faith in Jesus, but he got to experience that great joy with that eunuch as he found new life through his conversion and through his baptism. Let me ask you something. Do you want to lead people to Jesus? Do you want to? 
Now, this is a two-part question. The next part is why. Why do you want to? You know, when I was growing up in the church, just about every Sunday somebody would stand up and give their testimony. Almost every Sunday you would hear somebody get up and tell something about what Jesus had done in their life. Isn't that why one of the reasons why we want to tell people about Jesus? About what he did for us? About what he's done for you? What he's done for our families? What he's done for our lives? What he's done for our future? Isn't that worth telling people about? Do we want to be that type of individual? I mean, how much does Jesus mean to you, by the way? Where's where, where he at on your list of, of importance? Because if we are who we say we are, then Jesus means absolutely what? He means everything to us. And I believe God places us in the paths of people so we can give them an opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus. It may be a co-worker. It could be a neighbor, a friend, a family member. And you know, I guarantee you there's been many times that we have failed at that. Amen? But from this day forward, we don't have to. This morning, if you're truly concerned for reaching people for Jesus, I'm going to give you three simple things. You ready? They're right behind me. Three simple things. Number one, submit to God's will and not your what? And not your own. This is where we're having such a difficult time in our world today. And I'm just going to be frank with you. Your relationship with Jesus should lead all facets of your life. All facets of your life. But many people, they get saved and they say, Jesus, I'll give you this, but I'm not going to give you what? I'm not going to give you this, and I'm not going to give you this, and I'm not going to give you this. And so we struggle spiritually. Submit to God's will and not your own. Maybe there's some in here this morning that's never given their life to Jesus, and God's knocking on your heart to do that. You feel the Spirit drawing you to make that decision. Number two, take action. And look for opportunities to invite and to share your story. How many of us are inviting people to church? It's not hard, amen? Eight out of ten will come if we just what? If we just invite. Now listen, I know we are in a pandemic. I know that. I know we are trying our best to social distance and we are trying our best to keep ourselves healthy and I am so thankful that our church is responding in that avenue. People are dying from this virus. But people are also dying and going to hell. There's seats on the front. We can make this seats back here if need to. And I'm just going to tell you, and I hate to make some of you mad at me, but I ain't never seen a wall that can't come down. I've never seen a church wall that can't come down. Amen? So if we need to make more room, we can make more room. Because you are the church, not the building. Amen? And then number three, love people. Love people with Christ's love. Philip loved people no matter their color, their nationality, how they looked. 
And many times, if people don't look like us or act like us, we're very intimidated to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Jesus didn't say, well, just share the gospel with those that look like you. Jesus never said, Billy, just share the gospel with those who can sing like you. Austin, Jesus never told you, hey, share the gospel with youth that dress like you. <laughs> I mean, come on, brother, right? Step out of our comfort zones. He wants us to share it with all people. See, here's the truth. I, I want you to chase these chariots everywhere that you can find them. Go up and down life's highway looking for people that need Jesus. Now, some are going to turn you down, but a lot of people are cruising out there with their hearts hungering for God. There's many. They're hoping someone will chase them down. And if we want to share Jesus with others, we've got to stay in touch. We've got to take action. We've got to be prepared. We've got to be ready to share in their joy. So present the good news. Share your testimony. When's the last time anybody shared their testimony? When's the last time you shared your testimony? And be prepared to lead them to Jesus. And you say, well, I don't know how to do that. Do it like this. You ready? Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner and I want forgiveness of my sin. I believe Jesus died on a cross and that he rose again. Father, I give my life to be a follower of Jesus. Come into my life. Come into my heart. This I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. So my question is this morning, as we get ready to sing and as we get ready to close, what's it going to take for you individually to help reach others for Jesus? Are we inviting? Are we caring enough? Are we sharing our stories? You know, I see so many people, they share everything they do on Facebook, amen? I don't know, our sense of keeping some things to ourselves has dissipated. But listen to me, if you want to share something on Facebook, share the good news, amen? Tell somebody every day, this is what God did. God got me up. God helped me get me dressed. He fed me. He gave me the strength to go through my job today, amen? What's it going to take for us to reach people? For Jesus, this morning, as we get ready to sing, and, and as we stand this morning, this invitation's for you. Maybe your heart needs to be transformed. Maybe, maybe our, our, our forgetfulness of the, of the necessity of reaching people has been lost. It's time to break through, amen? It's time to take action. Will you stand this morning as we sing?